still wanted to enjoy the house. We love our house. And that was something that's really the heart behind this whole story is we bought this house. We, we gutted it. We redid it. We made it a beautiful area. And we were like, we want to share this with other people. Like it's just, we love it. And so it's fun for us to come back and visit, but it was so much easier to just move out and not have to move in, move out, move in, move out, which we did during the month of June. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast, the show about buying, optimizing, and managing short-term rentals in the state of Michigan. Get insights and recommendations from vacation rental operators to help take your property to the next level. Are you ready to profit from your short-term rental? Let's get started. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast. Today, Jordan and I sit down with a couple good friends in the Southwest Michigan area, and you'll learn how they made $30,000 renting out their primary residence on Airbnb only. You'll also hear about their first guest experience, how it turned into a bit of a disaster, got a one-star review, and recovered from that. You'll also get some tax insight, as one of them is a CPA, so you won't want to miss this. Let's get into it. All right, today we're sitting down with Christine and Paco Velasco. Well, Christine stopped at a real estate meetup that we were hosting in Stevensville, Michigan. So there's one that happens every month and we offered to host it at one of our short-term rentals. And I don't think Jordan or myself actually got a chance to meet her at the meetup. But then afterwards, Matt Swab actually reached out to me and said, hey, Christine and some friends want to learn a little bit more about the short-term rentals. So I think he connected us and then Paco and Christine ended up coming over to a property that we were finishing the staging on, my wife and I. So did a lot of talking about short-term rentals. You guys brought some donuts. Appreciate that. (laughs) Shortly after that, you guys started getting yours listed. And I know I told you like, hey, everything wasn't perfect. The pictures, I think you guys weren't super happy with. And I just said, hey, every day that you guys don't have it listed, it's costing a thousand bucks a day. So I think I encourage you guys to hurry up and get it listed. And so I think you guys carved out a Saturday, got it listed. And I think you guys got a booking within 48 hours. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, that sounds right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you guys have just been a huge referral source for us as well. You guys referred the stager and decorator that we work with on a regular basis who ended up being a client of ours. You connected us to a local realtor who actually referred a month-to-month tenant for us. So still in the property right now, paying $2,700 a month. So really appreciate that. And so it sounds like you owe us donuts now. Is that right? Yeah. I think we definitely owe you some donuts for sure. <laughs> and then you guys also connected us with some other people in the area, did a fireside chat around short-term rentals. And now someone else that you referred to us actually is doing property inspections for us and doing some organizing. So you guys have just been awesome in terms of uh, a referral source. And I always just say, hey, if somebody can find a Matt Swab and a Christine Velasco in an area, they're well ahead of the game in terms of kind of getting embedded into the community and getting the right connection. So appreciate that. It's all about community, right? The more people we know, the more people we connect with, the, the easier and more fun it becomes. So. Absolutely. And today we're bringing you on because this was your first year hosting as a short-term rental. And you guys actually converted 
your primary residence into a rental over the summer. And we just had our first short-term rental meetup a couple weeks ago. And I had several people actually say that they were looking to list their primary residence as a short-term rental. And so we wanted to bring you guys on here and hopefully shortcut some of the path that it takes to, to get there. You guys would have some great tips to give those individuals that are actually looking to get their primary residence listed. So does that all sound accurate? That's accurate. <laughs> awesome. So would you guys mind just taking a second and telling me, hey, when was your first booking, your last booking? And if you don't mind sharing some of the revenue around that as well. Yeah, you bet. So we went around the school calendar. We have four kids. So we waited till school was out. So our first booking was the weekend of Father's Day, which is like around June 10th. And then we went all the way again, kind of on that school summer schedule. We, we booked it out all summer until Labor Day weekend. So our last guest left Labor Day weekend. Awesome. What kind of revenue between June 10th and Labor Day weekend? We ended right under 30,000 and we could have done better bookings, more bookings. That's probably another podcast, but we could have done more, but we started off slow, kind of weekends only. And then it really picked up mid-July and August. We were booked during the week and the weekend. So that's when it really started getting fun. (laughs) So when you say you could have done better, what are the things you may have done differently that would have changed that? And that's what I was going to jump in. One of them would be to start early. Yeah. Right. Or earlier. It was mentioned earlier. We weren't sure about what to do, how to do it. Should we do it? We finally made the decision we should do it. And so it took us a while to get to the point where we felt comfortable listing it. And so that took, I don't know, two weeks, maybe. We probably could have listed it earlier. But because you go through this phase of shit. Are we ready? What, are we ready? Yeah. Do we have everything that we need to? And so that was huge that we were able to talk to Tony. And he was at the beginning, he's like, you're ready. <laughs> it, it's just a matter of doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, listing it and then things start to fall into place. And that was the case. And I think what we didn't take into fact or what you didn't understand then was kind of the algorithm of Airbnb, right? That it takes time to really season your listing and be noticed when you have no reviews. So yeah, we got a booking within 48 hours, but that didn't necessarily bump us with reviews, you know, that would naturally bump your listing that more people would see it. You do get kind of a what is it, Tony, like couple of days, the Airbnb, or is it 30 days, the Airbnb naturally, the algorithm bumps your listing? Is that what it is? Yeah, they say roughly a month, your your listing's going to get a little bit of favorability and kind of rank higher on that. Did you guys do the 20% discount on the first three bookings? We did not, no. Gotcha. Well, I mean, to still get a booking that quick is is awesome. So it sounds like 30000 in roughly three months or just under three yep. months? Yep, right at three months. Uh-huh. Good point to highlight, though, is that if you're getting into this short-term rental game and whatever your peak season is in the market that you're in, it's really helpful to have a month or two before that to kind of get people in, get some reviews, get the kinks out, make sure. So jumping in in June, full tilt, that's pretty awesome. Did you guys have any any issues with those first people that you brought in? <laughs> Actually, I mean, I think you guys have a great first guest. Story. Oh no, are we allowed to tell that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have to now, come on. Yeah, tell us, just oh, tell you us how the first guest went and the story behind that. I mean, I do think, Sounds like it could have started out as a disaster and it sounds like you guys ended up really correcting that and seeing some success on the other end of it. 
one thing to remember is I think there's a difference between converting converting your own home into a rental as opposed to getting a separate property that you're renting. At least for to us, it was a big deal to rent our home, right? And to somebody that you don't know, you don't know who they are, you don't know how they may treat the property. I think you have those concerns as well when it's a, a separate rental. But again, when it's your home and you're going to go back to that property, it kind of makes it, at least for us, it was it was a big deal. And, and so that was why part of the reason why it was difficult for us to say, okay, we're ready because you want everything perfect, right? And so one of the things that we wanted to do from the get-go was to make sure we had as much understanding of the individuals coming into our home as we could. Uh, it's difficult to get a lot of information from them, but we asked a lot of questions to get some idea of who they were. Again, because our biggest concern was, who is it who's going to stay in our house? And then the neighbors. Our, our property's in the middle of type community. And so we were concerned about our neighbors as well. So the first one was kind of a interesting. Yeah, so we broke all the rules, Tony. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so, you know, they say don't rent to locals. Well, he was a local. We didn't have our camera. Fortunately, we did have our ring camera in place. So we could at least tell what was going in and out of the door. But we didn't have like a backyard camera up yet. I mean, he checked in at four and we left sprinting at 358 doing all of our last minute. I mean, it was really like, oh, this is real. So yeah, renting to a local, they had like 10 cars in the parking lot. And we were really sure in the driveway. We didn't know what to do. And then, you know, we didn't have really good camera footage, but we had some complaints from the neighbors. So it it ended up, unfortunately, we had to kick them out. Like Airbnb was great about it. They called them. He went, you know, like a lamb to the slaughter. He was just quiet and calm. He, he still washed all the dishes. He still did a load of laundry. The house was pristine <laughs> when we got back. Like everything was in place. The garbage was taken out. I mean, he really did take good care of it. And in hindsight, as seasoned Airbnb owners now, we probably would have treated it a little bit differently. But again, like my husband said, like we panicked. It was like, ah, oh, this is our house. This is our neighbors. Like they're up till two o'clock at like at the fire pit and swimming and, you know, making loud noise. And this is our very first guest. So we kind of panicked, learned a lot, got more cameras, updated our setting, vetted our guests, didn't let him auto book anymore because that was an auto book. We didn't realize he was local until the booking went through. And again, that was a, that was a user glitch. I didn't understand the system enough. I had the wrong settings on. So the great thing about having your bad guest first is that you learn a ton, the hard knocks <laughs> life. And then we adjusted and then really it was, and I don't say this lightly, but it really was a very smooth experience for the 11 guests after that. It was just so much easier and so much smooth. And we get the hard part out and, and really had our systems in place and we're ready. So, so you ended up kicking them out right on the second day and then they left you a one-star review, right? Yeah. And that was hard too. So again, we were like, well, nothing we can do about it. Right. Yeah. But then we found as we searched and searched and searched, everyone's like, no, no, no. The secret with Airbnb. And I'm not familiar with Verbo. So can I, I can only talk to Airbnb, but it was call after call, after email, after text, after different rep, different rep, you know, and then finally, probably after my 10th try, someone was like, oh, okay, yeah, we can take that down. Whereas everybody else is like, no, it doesn't fit into the parameters. We can't take it down. But finally, probably the 10th customer service rep was like, okay, yeah, 
we can take it down. And that was after me just digging for, you know, I've, I sent video footage of, you know, what we saw in the ring of guests coming in all hours of the night in and out of the door and just giving them the information as much as we could and just being persistent. We were finally, and again, that, so Jordan, your question earlier is like, what would you have done, you know, to get that booking? So it wasn't so slow in, for the month of June. That had a lot to do with it. We were a one-star rating for that first couple of weeks until we could get that rating taken off. And then finally, once we got it off, was about the time our second guest came, gave us a raving five-star review. And then the algorithm pushed us back up and we were visible again. So it, it hurt us, to be honest. It definitely hurt us. But we were okay with the slow traffic because we were just easing into Airbnb. Yeah. Well, I would just say great job. Crisis averted. I think a lot of people probably would have, you know, pumped the brakes after that first one, maybe not yeah. kept going. But sounds like... I think you also probably set a lot of expectations going forward, right? Maybe incorporated some, what is it, the, where you have them signed the, the documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like our own contract. Yeah, we came yeah, with it. Doing yeah. the contract and letting them know what's kind of expected as, uh, from them. And, you know, hey, no more than a certain number of guests and, and such like that. So to that point, Tony, I think for those who are wanting to or give it a try uh, when it's your home, you want to make sure that you put a lot of information out on on your listing. If you want them to be quiet, the times of quiet time, right? When to come in, how many? The more you put out there, the better. And then you want to bring it up as, as much as you can. Again, because it was our home, we did all this. I think that if we have a, or when we have a rental property, it would be completely different, I would think. But because it was our home, we wanted to make sure that they were quote unquote, warned, right, about certain things like the people that you're going to bring and what time you can be outside. Because we do have a pool. It can be kind of a mess, right, if late at night, if, if we're not careful. But again, we were able to to bring it up as they were booking. After they booked, we would send another reminder. Hey, here's a reminder. When they came in, we have a little sheet that they would have to sign. So we try to do things to make sure that they were aware of the things that we wanted to make sure they were aware of. Yeah. That's really good information. I think uh, it, it's there's a huge difference between buying an investment property that has no emotional attachment to renting out your personal residence. That's just such a vastly different experience that you're going to have as the owner for sure. So, you know, as far as someone that was looking to rent out their own primary personal residence to someone, what are the tips that you would give them to say, hey, make sure to do these things? You know, how do you protect your personal property and maybe whatever else that would go into to having it ready for guests to come? That's a great question. We have a lot of extra space in our house. We have a full basement and a garage. So we had the garage locked. So there was no access to the garage. And we had the basement locked as well. So we spent a ton of money on plastic bins and (laughs) put all of our stuff in the basement. People are like, oh, your house is so clean and it's so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, you want to see the basement? And there was just all of our personal items got stored away in the basement. And we let them know in the listing that there was no access to the garage or the basement. But probably our biggest thing is really once you go through and you simplify and you really keep out, you know, what looks nice and what is functional for them, then you walk around the house and you ask yourself, if anything in here were to be stolen or broken, would I be sentimentally attached to it? Would I be sad? Would it really bother me? And if it does, that goes to the basement or to the garage. Everything else has to be breakable or stealable and you'll just move on and replace it. 
Otherwise, again, when it's your personal residence and that's the vase or the picture frame or the mirror that's heirloom and they accidentally break it, like that you just can't. It's part of separating business from personal. You find a different mirror to hang in the bathroom or in the hallway or or you replace that vase with a cheap Walmart vase or something. But that would be our biggest thing, right? Simplifying and, mm-hmm. and taking away sentimental stuff and all personal yeah. stuff. We, we removed everything that was personal. No family photos, right. uh, all that stuff. So still yeah. have that vacation rental feel to it. Right. They wouldn't walk in and feel like they were coming into the Velasco's home. They would feel, it felt very much like this is just an empty house. They wouldn't know we lived here. And I think it was Tony, the one that gave us this advice. So for example, where the pictures were at, right, the family pictures and so forth, we, or I think it was, yeah, the stager, Diane, she suggested to make it more of a local type of thing, right? So we had pictures of St. Joe and the lake and again, more of a vacation feel to it. So that was kind of a cool thing. That was an easy switch. Huh? Mm-hmm. Switching out personal mm-hmm. pictures to local pictures. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like for you coming coming and going throughout the summer with guests for a part of it and then coming back and living in it? What was that transition like? How did you manage that? <laughs> it's a great question. We learned really quick that that was a terrible idea. <laughs> we would come in and my kids would settle in and we'd, you know, kind of settle into the house and it's time to move out again. And so we're fortunate that my mom just lives around the corner. So we were able, we finally got to the point where we were, you know, booking out during the week anyway. We're like, we're done. We're just going to move out. So we moved out completely and then just came back to clean it and to swim in the pool, you know, like between guests, my kids still wanted to enjoy the house. We love our house. And, and, and that was something that's really the heart behind this whole story is we bought this house. We, we gutted it. We redid it. We, made it a beautiful area. And we were like, we want to share this with other people. Like, it's just, we love it. And so it's fun for us to come back and visit, but it was so much easier to just move out and not have to move in, move out, move in, move out, which we did during the month of June. Double cleanings that way, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So one tip would be to get double sets of of linen, you know, just because you have to do it somewhat quick. And if you're having to move in and move out, it's best to just not have to clean something, wait for it, and then put it back on. So try to get at least two sets of everything when it comes to the linens so you can quickly change it and move on. Absolutely. So you had your first year, 30000 Are you happy with the results from season one? And are you looking forward to season two? And if so, is there anything that you guys intend to do differently in the next season that you didn't do in season one? Mm, That's a really good question. Yeah, we're super happy with how it went. I mean, with 30,000 of extra money with tax benefits, (laughs) beautifying our house, you know, all the upgrades that we did to it. We get to appreciate from September to May. <laughs> that was really fun. Honestly, you know, to be totally transparent, the money, the 30,000, we didn't profit from the 30,000 because we put it all back into the house. So we didn't walk away with cash necessarily because we chose to put that back into the house. So we upgraded all of our, you know, the air conditioning, the heating, the pool heater, different things in the house. We put it right back in so that next year, we're solid, we're comfortable. We know nothing is going to 
break on a guest, right? Like there were no doubts. So that was just something, a personal choice for us that we chose to do with that money. So yeah, we feel like we definitely feel like we hit a home run this summer. Definitely looking forward to next summer. The things that we learned from this year, we'll be applying to next year, like starting earlier, getting our listing up sooner. I was going to say something to, to think about is because you are Airbnb, that activity is a business, right? And so anything that you spend related to that activity, to the rental of, in this case, your home, is a deduction for tax purposes. And so sometimes people are not aware that you can... So we did that, right? We decorated our home with new frames, new pictures, new decorations and whatnot. And all of that is going to be part of a deduction for for tax purposes. So that was also another reason why we wanted to do it. We thought that that would be kind of a neat way to do business. The things, the big repairs that we did, right? And there's nuances to that, but you can you can do some of that. So it's something to to consider as you're anyone, right? As anyone is trying to decide if it's something that they can do. It's not only profitable because you, there's a lot of of cash, but you can also as Christine was mentioning earlier, beautify your home and get some deductions for it. And you are a CPA, right? That's correct. Yep. And not your guys' CPA. So you always want to check with your CPA. But again, just from a tax standpoint, he can speak to some of the benefits from using his own personal residence as a short-term rental are you familiar with like the cost segregation? Not that we'll give any tax advice here again. You guys all, everybody wants to check with their own CPA or, you know, I don't know if your company has some openings for some, uh, you know, bringing on some new clients. But yeah, are you familiar with like cost segregation and some of the, the benefits on the short-term rental side of it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and it'll get a little tricky. <laughs> So normally when you put your house as a rental, you get to depreciate your home. And there is a, a life expectancy of the home. And so oftentimes it's 27 and a half years or 39 if it's a commercial. But when you do a cost segregation study, you get to allocate different things of the value of the house to shorter lives. And so the depreciation becomes much higher, especially in the first year. So again, from a tax point point of view, it's 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 a great benefit to be able to rent your home and be able to get all these different benefits, including depreciation, which is the the biggest deduction that oftentimes rentals will will have. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah, going into next season, anything different that you guys are intending to do? Different amenities, different yeah, just anything different that you guys plan on doing going into next year. Yeah, I honestly, this might sound a little arrogant, but I give Tony all the credit. Like, I feel like we went in pretty prepared. Tony, really, you helped us so much leading us in the right way of different podcasts to listen to, different websites to look at, um, you know, what amenities are important in Southwest Michigan, you know, for beachgoers. So our reviews were raving. We had all five-star reviews. I really feel like we hit it head on on the amenities, on the systems, the customer service. Because we did, we were prepared. So even though we talk about when we listed it, we were scared and is the house ready and is the house, we spent months listening to podcasts and reading books and looking at websites and, you know, following people on Pinterest and just really, you know, YouTube videos, just getting other people's experience, hearing all the 
negative side of different people's experiences of, of hard things that happened to them really helped us prepare for the what ifs, right? So I, I don't think we'll change a lot. You just mentioned some of the resources that Tony had shared with you. Is there like a top one or two, either a book or podcast or something like that, other than ours, obviously, that you'd recommend for people to listen to that they could learn from? Yeah, definitely this one. Definitely. Thanks for visiting. We listened to that one a lot. I think she hits on a lot of good topics. And again, to be totally honest, if you are considering doing this and you're, and you already run a full time, like maybe you and your spouse both work, or maybe it's your own property, but you work full time. I would. Hopefully I'm allowed to do this, Tony and Jordan, but I would seriously consider using a company like Book and Gather to manage your property for you. I run my own business, so I have a very flexible schedule. My husband, like we said, is a CPA and he works a typical 60-hour week. (laughs) But it's a full-time job running one short-term rental by yourself, even though it was our own personal property. Even if I, I ch- again, we chose to clean it ourselves and manage it ourselves this year because we really wanted to get a feel for what is in short-term rental, what it involves, what the customer service is like, what the customer experience is like. So truly, if if you're worried at all about like, do I have the time for this? I would I would recommend looking into a company like Book and Gather that can do all the customer service part of it for you. Even just trying to get a cleaner to come to your house and show up and do the job right is really hard. And that's a tiny little piece of it. So that would probably be my advice, Jordan. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that's great. That's one of the reasons we started the company was because we started managing the property and realized, holy cow, this is a lot of work. And I think yeah. our first the first couple of weeks, we had cleaners that were just MIA, no call, no call. We can't be the only idiots who thinks this is going to be easy that need uh, professional help. So <laughs> that, was, that was the part of the beginning of, uh, of Book and Gather for sure. So. And I think yeah. you guys had that similar experience, right? Where the cleaner just didn't show yeah. up when they were yeah. supposed to show up. And yep. you guys had same day tur- you guys had a same day turnover, right? And you were expecting cleaners to show up and they didn't show up. Right. But true? again, since this was my baby, like, yeah, I had her schedule, but I always knew like I am there cleaning with her like I couldn't rely on will she show up or not so I had to have my schedule free that I could be there I could be the one cleaning if I was a full-time working mom outside of the house that would have been very challenging to like have her just not show up and I don't have a list of seven other cleaners to call at the last minute whereas like Tony and Jordan, you guys probably do like if one doesn't show up you're like no problem I got six others here we'll send another one out right yeah, it did. It did. I think that was probably the biggest mm-hmm. thing we learned this year is just surprising how much work went into owning a property and, and renting it out. I, I guess that would probably fall under the least favorite. So what, what would you say is your most favorite part of the experience? And besides the extra income, what, what's the benefit? Um, I'm doing a lot of the talking here, but really I, sharing our little piece of heaven here with the community, like that truly is our drive. We love Southwest Michigan. We moved here seven years ago. We bought this house two years ago and just immediate. We're like, we want to share this with other people. It's so beautiful here. And I know lots of people, you know, that live South of us don't have the views of the lake that we do in this, in this really chill, beautiful quiet little community. So that was what we love the most is just knowing that we're providing an opportunity for other families to have an experience away from work, away from the rigor of life. And I would say the hardest thing was 
having to live on my cell phone 24 seven. It was really draining to always sleep with my ringer on and wonder if a guest was going to call or wonder if I, if something was going to happen in the middle of the night or wonder if, wonder if, wonder if, right? And so just constantly, no matter where I was having my phone on me and being accessible, you know, I might be out on a boat ride with some friends. It's like, oh, shoot, am I going to have Wi-Fi? Because if a guest needs something, I got to be able to answer within 20 minutes, you know? Right. So I think that was the hardest part, don't you think, of just constantly being mm-hmm. on call for three months. The interesting part about the business is, especially with one one rental, it's not an overwhelming amount of hours, but you have to be ready at all times. That's something yeah. that's done a great job at just responding and, and being available. But yeah, if it's if you don't have someone doing that for you, it's got to be you. It's in the, especially in Michigan, it's when you're on vacation too. A lot of times, like you said, being out on the boat yeah. and just always having to, to be available. Right. Yep. Well, awesome. Is there any other tips? You know, it could be about... You know, getting your home ready, you know, from a tax standpoint, any other tips that our listeners should know if they're looking to get their primary residence and use it as a vacation rental? I think the biggest thing that I would think is just finding like-minded people that are already in the business, preparing yourself, finding local meetups, following Tony and Jordan on Book and Gather, listening to podcasts, but really just finding a community of other short-term rentals that you can share ideas with and collaborate with, I think would probably be our biggest tip, don't you think? Yeah. And we also joined uh, groups online. Yeah. That's and true. it was interesting, Facebook groups. It was interesting because what came out of those groups most of the time <laughs> were negative things. And so if we would have done just that, right, we would have not, Right, it scares you away. Yeah, it scares you away because the only thing they talk about is the bad bad experiences that people are having. Again, we only had one and our home was not, nothing negative happened to our house. It was just the fact that we had to kick them out. So from our standpoint, it was a great experience to be able to do this. But again, if we would just focus on what other people are saying online, we wouldn't have done it. Again, Tony was, was great. He was yeah, we would have waited a little longer if it wouldn't have been for, for Tony. Oh, just, for sure. You're done. You're done. <laughs> just list it. And so again, having people that have done it, that are doing it, as being able to ask questions. A couple of things, I don't know if, if everyone is aware, but when you sign in or onto Airbnb, Airbnb again, they, you can't speak to Verbo because we're not familiar with that. Correct. But for sure with Airbnb. They assign somebody that can help you. You can always ask them questions. And so they will give you some advice, any questions. You can ask them any questions. They don't charge you, but they do assign somebody, your buddy, if you want to call him, that can help with any questions that you may have as you are getting started. I think they call those Airbnb ambassadors and they're, they hold your hand up until your first booking. That was really helpful too and free to us. And right. then they get a kickback, which is kind of a win-win. They get a kickback for answering all your questions and you get a free service. So so again, di- different things, right? So that was one, having Tony and other individuals that are doing similar things was what made it, I think, a, a positive experience. If, if you don't find people, it'll be difficult because you'll feel alone, right? And you'll have a ton of questions that if you don't have somebody to reach out to, block you through it, it may be a negative experience. That's great. Yeah, we we definitely just one of one of the things I've really enjoyed about this business is 
we've just met a lot of amazing people and people are willing to share information and help help out and give advice and you know not charge for it in a lot of cases so there's a lot of free resources out there to get started in this business and a lot of people who are willing to to help and add value and so definitely tap into those resources and as you mentioned with some of the groups you, you do hear the horror stories if you're in this business, you are going to experience some level of them. You just have to expect it and take the take the good with the bad to a certain extent. But it sounds like with the lessons that you learned through managing, you know, a lot of those those bad experiences can be avoided if you're betting and managing and you got the house rules set up and the, the uh, ring cameras and some of those things. You can delegate some of that risk elsewhere to a certain extent. Yeah, right. for sure. Well, awesome. I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to come on the podcast, share your experience with the listeners and provide some tips and insights on to just, hey, how can you list your primary residence and, you know, have some success on that. So I think you guys offered a lot of valuable tips. And then I just wanted to say just as much as we've been a resource to you, we really appreciate the resource that you guys have been to us. Again, you guys have just made a lot of great connections for us in the area. We got, uh, you know, again, some clients from you guys. So really appreciate that and appreciate you guys taking the time. Well, thank you. We're just glad to have you guys in our life. It's been so much easier having you guys on our team. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.